Hi, I'm Frances Liliana, and this is The Dallas Type, an interview series where we celebrate the different personalities you'll find in the Dallas creative community. And it's also an attempt to see if there's anything that we might identify as a unifying element between all the creatives I've asked to participate. So, in regards to creatives here in North Texas, is there a Dallas Type? Today's chat is brought to you by the letter V. I was thinking, before you call, I was just, I was thinking back, kind of overall, your overall question about is there a commonality in Dallas, you know, and, and uh, I started really going back to the experience that I had in school with all these great, you know, designers that just happened to all be there at the same time. And I remember specifically, you know, Rex, uh, Rex was, we were very, very close friends, so we spent a lot of time with you. But I remember really cluing in on his ability to talk about design, even then, you know. And then I, I realized, you know, as you start working, you know, and you meet people like Woody Pirtle, and yeah, there, there seemed to be a, a real commonality in the way that people spoke about design. It's almost like, yeah, it was beautiful anyway, and it was incredible work, but, uh, you know, they could just speak about it and it just kind of flowed and it, it added so much value to it. And I mean, I'm not saying that people don't do that today. I know they still do, but I just remember that being something that I noticed really early and it's like, I want to, I want to be able to do that. I want to yeah. be able to speak like that to the work and as I got a little better at it I saw the like I never had any anxiety about presentations because I mean I'm always you know really excited about what it is that I'm going to present but uh, also uh, I love talking about it you know maybe too much <laughs> <laughs> well I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today what is your full name, your position, and your work, or how you would describe your work? Virgil Scott. Uh, I'm a associate professor for Texas A&M in downtown Dallas, where I teach in the uh, digital communication program, the graduate program, and undergraduate. But then also I have Studio 204 uh, with my lovely wife, Kim, in uh, downtown Arlington, where we do a lot of letterpress work. And, uh, you know, Kim does book binding. And, and so we, I guess in that respect, you know, I would be a partner uh, in that studio. And we do, oh, we do work for exhibitions. We just started a job, a poster job, actually a letterpress poster job for the city of Arlington yesterday. So we do just a, a variety of stuff. So I guess I, I, I guess I'm an educator, designer, letterpress, printer. That was a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a superpower or alter ego, what would it be? If I had a superpower? Yeah. If I had a superpower, I would uh, get millennials interested in taking part in the political process. And the reason being, you know, why millennials are so great about volunteerism and everything else, for some reason they don't vote because they see it as, as kind of choosing the same thing on either side, and I understand that. But uh, right now there's just so much with all the debates that the, the political system and how broken it is, that's concerning. Yeah, I was trying to think of what that title would be, like what would <laughs> And you like, Superman, Batman, and the Beast. 
Uh, I guess I would um, fix voter apathy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'd love to do that in, uh, you know, in poster series. I think that would be cool. Yeah. It'd be cool, it'd be cool to see you do something like the V for Vendetta guy where he would put a V somewhere and it meant something in regards to, you know, kind of getting the people together, you know, tying them around a symbol. And if right. you had, like, those posters and then they just showed up somewhere. Like, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, I'd love love to do that. In fact, I may do that. I don't know. You know, that's what, uh, what I love about, you know, having this ability to, to print poster work is kind of gravitating towards, you know, I've done a lot of kind of exhibition work and work for retail sales, but I'm, I'm really wanting to get into a, a deep social issue and, and, and really try to make some difference um, in that regard. So, um, like, yeah, using your design and your skills for good. Kind of right, design. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I... Uh, I don't know. I just think it's a it's a great place to be right now to do that because I you know since I teach full time you know the design is uh, you know we kind of we're real we're real lucky in that we get to do the kind of projects that we want to do because we can't do terms of work you know we can only there's just two of us here and so we kind of pick and choose what kind of things we can do and I don't know I love being my own client but but I I don't like being my own printer because all those years of you know when I was complaining about suppressing on press checks it's like you know press karma it's all coming back now (laughs) (laughs) that I'm printing it you know because I know how I know what it takes to do that and uh, that's kind of funny so, <laughs> just kind of going back, uh, how long have you been in the creative field and, like, what got you into it? Well, I, uh, you mean, like, initially, like, way back? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> really automatically got mad at me. <laughs> I don't, you know, I have to say that uh, I really credit, uh, you know, my mother for exposing me to so much music she was a music teacher piano teacher and uh she loved art so she was always i was kind of a kind of a of a mistake child you know so i was like younger than the other siblings so i was kind of hanging out with her a lot and uh so we would listen to opera and paint and i would you know i loved to model clay and you know this is when i was i guess five years old and then um, she was always taking me to Fort Worth to the you know the operas and you know so I think that kind of got me in that direction and then in high school I gravitated towards uh, ceramics and you know I wasn't a good student at all uh, academically but I I met a guy you know the art teacher who was like a Pied Piper and he really took us under his wing and made a huge difference and so I think that really started me thinking about teaching here back then. Then I went to UNT, and uh, I was studying to be a potter, and then I met uh, a guy named Rex Petit, and he said, so what are you doing? And I said, well, I think I'm going to be a potter and teach high school art. And he goes, oh, man, he goes, you're not going to make any money doing that. You need to be a graphic designer. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I just uh, literally decided, well, I'm going to take a class in that. And I did, and it was like, it was like magic. Uh, it was something that I just felt a totally natural affinity for, and I I, I absolutely loved it, and I was, you know, it was like, I, I seem to be, not that it came easy at all, 
but uh, it was something that just made sense to me. And, and as I started looking at CAs and understanding more about it, it just got more and more interesting. And I have to say there again, a great, a couple of great teachers that were uh, on design studios in Dallas came over and taught the senior classes. Uh, a guy named Don Fields from Bozell Agency and Matt Bowles from, I think, Rominger. Um, and they made a huge difference in lighting the fire, you know. Are you seeing this kind of educational theme? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, I mean, you said Rex Petit, who's, you know, kind of one of the you know, legends in, in Dallas. Um, uh-huh. You just met him in ceramics, or y'all were both in the No, actually, he, he was, we grew up together in Arlington, and we knew each other. We went to the, you know, the same high school. He was a year older, but we knew each other. We weren't, like, great friends, and... When we we both went to UNT at the same time, and we ran into each other, and we just became instant buddies and uh, started hanging out together. So, you know, our friendship really kind of blossomed, I guess, in college. And I would see the kind of work he was doing, because he was a year ahead of me in, in a design class, and, and I just kind of got hooked. By watching him, and of course, you know, what, how lucky for me, because I mean, he's so damn good. You know, he was a standout designer, you know, in school from, from the get-go. So, a big influence, for sure. Did he kind of, did he help you get your, your first job out of school? Like, I'm assuming he graduated ahead of you. I believe he, he, I think he went to the Bloom Agency right out of school. You know, actually, he, the one thing he did do for me was introduce me to a guy named Bill Ford, who was his roommate. And, you know, of course, Bill Ford and I would later, you know, go into business for years together, Ford and Scott. You know, so, I mean, he kind of, I, I would say that, you know, even though back then the, uh, the design community was much smaller. And, you know, I mean, you could go to a DSCC meeting, it might be 40 people, and everybody knew each other. And so... Yeah, he was real helpful in that, you know, I would go visit him either when he, you know, worked for the Bloom Agency and uh, through that I met Bill, and then Bill uh, was working uh, at a agency called Case Advertising, and that's how I got my first job. Okay. Yeah, so it's all kind of interconnected, but, yeah, Rex is always, I mean, you know, when Rex worked for, for Stan Richards or for Woody Pearl, it was great because we would hang out together and go out, go out carousing after work for years, and uh, so I'd be, like, waiting and waiting and waiting while he finished up, you know, doing a design or something for, for Woody, so I would go in and see what they were doing and meet, met those folks and, uh, you know, still a great, uh, continue to just be a great influence just being around all all these incredible designers at kind of a magic time in, in Dallas's history. When, about like what year was that? Uh, I'm going to say that was about 78, 78, 79 in that area. Was that already after or around the same time that I guess Dan had his, that one photo in CA with Arthur and all those guys? Or is that, is that a bit, is that after that? It might be maybe a year at, I think that was maybe 76 or 77. I'm not sure. I mean, I started working, uh, for case advertising in 77. I think it was about that time. I, you know, it was just a, uh, 
an amazing time in the city of Dallas. And, of course, you know, I'm sure that people coming out of school right now and working for some of the great studios in Dallas now feel that same way. But it was just infectious. I mean, you you know, having best friends that were designers, I mean, that's, of course, who you gravitate to. And I don't know. We just talk about it all the time. And, and uh, like I say, the, the DSBC meetings then were, you know, the same formats. But, I mean, you'd have people like Paul Bass, come into town, yeah. and, uh, I, you know, I got to meet him through all that. Yeah, I mean, you could just, you know, walk up and meet these folks, and it was a really small environment, which is what I love about the AIGA right now. I absolutely love it. It, it feels like that, where you're much more free to go up and converse with people. It's a more personal experience. So, yeah, it was, a, a, you know, it was a, a wonderful time at that. You know, and I think, I don't know, you probably thought about this more than I have. I don't know if you can pinpoint where when, you know, Dallas was at a peak at that time period. It was probably, I don't know, I, for some reason what comes to mind is the early, the very early 80s. That's when, you know, Bill and I opened our studio in 83. Wow, just there was, you know, the whole White Swan building was full of designers at that time. Willie and Steve Goods and Brian Peterson and just packed to the to the rackers with, with really great designers and we you know we were all competing for the same jobs and we're all in the same building and but there was just never any thought of uh well they got this job and i'll you know they beat me out or anything like that it was just uh there was there was just a lot of great work to go around you know we'd run into the same people at every uh presentation <laughs> I <know. laughs> Which is, yeah i mean you know we, we'd work with people and then you know bill and i go to presentation and there's rex and don you know uh either coming out of the room or sitting on the sofa or Alan Leigh or, you know, <laughs> it was wonderful, you know, it still is. I, for some reason, of course, it was all new to me then, so it was pretty crazy exciting. So, in all of that, do you have a hero or a mentor or multiple ones that you, that kind of helped you besides, besides this kind of, maybe somebody that you worked for, somebody ahead of you? I mean, you know, even um, Rex would be the one, but. Yeah, um, faster. There's several, I think, but, you know, I have to go, you know, uh, Rex was, of course, always was and, and still kind of is my, you know, my design hero, uh, Woody Pirtle. My gosh, I remember, you know, I'd go over there and visit his studio and Rex was working there and, you know, Louis Acevedo and Mike Schroeder and Don and all those guys and, uh, you know, they would be astounded. It's like Woody would literally, he'd walk by and see what they were working on and he'd just lean over and maybe do like one little thumbnail and it would be like it. <laughs> and then he'd walk away. And I remember all those guys just being amazed, just amazed, you know. And uh, I mean, he, of course, you know, Woody Pearl, for sure. Uh, actually, Saul Bass. I don't know if it was that I got to meet him and talk to him, but I, even before then, I just, he was a big influence. And I think that kind of, you know, simplification and, and the image is still something that I'm, I'm you know, I'm still influenced by. I think, you know, people I work, it's really more, you know, clients because, you know, I guess from 83, in one form or fashion, I've always worked for myself or our studio. I think Bill Ford, uh, obviously, is, is, I don't know, a more caring, nurturing person mm -hmm. that exists. He was great to me in terms of, uh, you know, he kind of ran the business side a little bit more than the design side, and we were just a great fit. But uh, he was absolutely a big influence. And then people I worked for for years, like Rosalind Dawson and 
people that break their international. I think the, the thing that comes to mind a lot is, is I think clients can be great influences too because, you know, <clears throat> having a seven or eight year relationship with a client is, is pretty incredible and uh, we both kind of help each other out. But design heroes, I, I'd have to say, you know, Rex, Woody, Paul Bass, you know, of course, Arthur Eisenberg, Castanel, you know, there's just so many great people. I mean, you know, you go to a DSBC show in those days and uh, everything was just incredible, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just conceptual standpoint, I mean, none of it was just designed for design's sake. And a lot of the things that I've seen, just archival, it was really great design and, and knowing the, the work that went into putting something together by hand. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Just uh, it's just it was very, very smart. Yeah. All very, very smart. I mean, I think you know Bob Bennard, and he's another one too. I, just, I remember some of his posters, like the Grape Fest, where <clears throat> was just a big, giant grape, you know, in the middle of the Texas Plains. Very simply drawn, just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Just immediate stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you go to other parts of the country. I remember back then I, I was working on an assignment in Baltimore and I was there for several months and you get outside of Dallas and boy, everybody knows exactly what Dallas looks like. You know, that the Dallas style. They've always referred to that and I believe it really came out of the early days at the Richards Group and Dinner and Cacanel and Arthur and all those guys. I think they started it all and yeah. then uh, it just got built on and built on and it's, you know, it's still here. But, you know, those guys were kind of the, the initiators, I think, of all that. And I think Don and Rex had a great deal to do with that, too. Yeah. Some of these guys, including you, y'all are, y'all are teaching now, which I think is really great because it's kind of taking that, that smart thinking and the, and the attention to detail and design and teaching it to this next generation, even these millennials that I don't even think that some of them know that history. I mean, all of the people that you've talked about, they know you guys as teachers now, but I don't think they necessarily, like if you said, hey, by the way, here's my history. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they would put one and two together really to you know, that's absolutely true. And one thing I, I've learned over the last several years teaching is that, you know, the designers today that are coming up, I mean, they you know, they think totally different. And uh, they don't think in terms of having design heroes. That's not really the way they think. You know, they think more immediate. And it's like, what's, what did I see today? Look online. And, you know, it's just a different way of thinking. But, yeah, you know, it, I think you're right. I think it's a, this would be a great area to be a design student because there's three or four really great universities that have uh, real talented folks yeah. teaching there. And, that, you know, that's, that's as exciting as, you know, having a studio. It's the same thing, I guess, really. I mean, mm-hmm. It feels like it to me. Absolutely. Do you think that that kind of disconnection from history and also, I mean, especially kind of like art history classes or design classes now, I mean, you're, you're really learning about, you know, the top five, you know, Paul Rand, Saul Bass, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Not really the people, the kids in school right now, and even the people that are, are starting to work, they, I mean, they don't know the history of where they're working and, you know, who their, who their creative director's hero is and stuff like that. Because that's not really just part of the conversation about design anymore. Really? Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know if anybody talks about, like what you were talking about before, do you right. think that yeah. people are, are having these conversations about design the way that you said that, you know, Rex and these other guys, do you think that that's a, a hindrance to 
design really continuing like where you guys you know y'all grafted uh, like in the 70s late 70s or whatnot but then yeah that kind of conversation fueled 30 40 years of this you know this this fire in the Dallas community do you think that the lack of that is do you think that that's a challenge for design moving forward specifically in, in the Dallas community or, you know, maybe that's that's a place that we can jump off of and like, like yeah. you know, opportunity? Like, do you see there being kind of a difficulty facing the field in, in Dallas? Um, well, it's interesting because uh, I actually, I have a, a graduate student right now who's who's been a, a designer here in Dallas, you know, that same time period that I was, and, and he's actually looking at, at the issue or the problem of people not leave, not staying in this market. You know, all these talented folks that go to New York, California, other markets, why that is. And I don't know if there's a connection with that. Maybe it's kind of unrelated, but it, it does kind of focus on the design community. I guess what's different about it, I mean, we have students that they go all over the, all over the world to get jobs. That was, I don't know, the, the people that I went to school with that are part of that kind of magic period are still here for the most yeah. part. And that's unusual, too, I've found out, going to other places around the country. It's unusual that so many people would stay in this area. I mean, when I tell people of all the great friends that I have, Rex, and of course he's not here anymore, but, you know, Doug May and, you know, all these people that I went to school with, they're still here. And I'm still interacting with them. And a lot of people think, oh, that's really odd, isn't it? Not now because... I mean, why would people want to leave? I mean, there was just, this is where everything is happening. Or was, was I honestly was happening because I know it is still happening. I'm getting back around to your question. You know? <laughs> I don't know if it's detrimental or not. I think that because there's such a rich history here, I think it would really benefit people to know more about it. <clears throat> and I'd love for that to be a part of any kind of teaching curriculum. Uh, I mean, I, I show all that great work that I can find when I'm lecturing. And, and people are always just blown away by it. But there is nowhere for them to go actually search it. Mm-hmm. And I wish there was. Maybe there is a, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's archives that, you know, the Richards Group in different places. But uh, it would be great if I, I think it, I mean, to me, that would be an incredible uh, cache of knowledge and design. And it would be a pro-Dallas thing. I mean, I think it, it's a shame if people don't really understand what's been happening here over the decades. So, yeah, I mean, is it detrimental? I don't know. I think you couldn't help but be a better designer by seeing that work. I just don't think that you could help but be better. So if if it's not available, yeah, it could be detrimental. It could be. I mean, coming back to what your superpower would be then, you got, and then a lot of the conversation, at least with AIGA at the moment, you know, we kind of take on these initiatives on a national level, and it's really up to each chapter to kind of color their programming with it or not. In regards to, you know, I guess the things going on in the city, which you mentioned earlier about millennials, and then the Dallas history is being really strong and being really smart. I think, you know, one of the characteristics that I'd say about, you know, the heroes that you mentioned is that they're not just great designers. They are incredibly smart. It's not just about, like, creating really handcrafted 
things that the thinking I think is really one of the things that I see as a as a common element with design in Dallas, at least the, the bigger names. Mm-hmm. And then you and then you look at the curriculum and you have a lot of these heroes teaching classes now. People aren't necessarily cognizant that the, the teacher that they have has done this this rich amount of work. Do you think it's an opportunity then if if we actually do pay attention to some of the things that you mentioned right now for some of the design programs in the city to stop telling their kids to let's build up your talent now let's make you one of the great designers and then encourage you to move to you know LA and San Francisco and New York so that you can be a good representative at schools here in Dallas and I'm kind of seeing we're encouraging our students to go out and not just to stay here but you know we're almost right. training people to transform communities elsewhere whereas there's so much to transform here not only from a design perspective but also if you apply design thinking to your neighborhoods and your community do you think that there might be an opportunity uh, in in kind of changing that mindset because I, I think that what I've seen in schools more recently, you know, we're, we're asking them to intern outside of Dallas, but we're not mm-hmm. necessarily emphasizing how awesome this community is and how you can actually make more of a name for yourself here because we don't yeah. have that kind of competition that you have in other cities. I mean, what would you say in regards to what we can do in education? to encourage that besides the internet. You mean to encouraging people to stay in a community and use their design thinking skills to like affect change in an issue here? Yeah. If you want, if you like solving problems, then you should stay in Dallas because there's so many things to fix. Yeah. What do you think the biggest opportunity is in regards to design in Dallas and what we can do as educators to, you know, kind of like what you guys have going on in your in your master's program? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I encourage the graduate program that I teach in does encourage people to look at design problem solving for their thesis that does, you know, have kind of a social bent to it to address the social issues. And, uh, you know, we're doing that more in undergraduate. You know, I, I, I just started kind of forging this relationship with this university in China. And so I, I teach an undergraduate class on design problem solving and, you know, our students worked with the Chinese students to develop posters that addressed the pollution issue in China. And then the Chinese students worked on the issue in America of being, like, surveilled all the time, loss of privacy. And through that interaction, I mean, it was incredibly rich for our students to work with students from another country and work on a social problem. And I see how how incredibly well that works. And, I mean, I'm like you. It's like, gosh, there's, there's so many things here at home that we could be addressing. I think what it comes down to in education is like how, you know, time is so precious because if you look at what a student needs to bring to the table in terms of being effective at their job, what, what they were required to have skill set 10 years ago and what they have today is doubled. There's so much to teach, you know, that I think, unfortunately, classes like that uh, often don't get the play that they deserve. You know, but it's funny, when you mention that, what came to mind is the shame will probably never happen, but <laughs> territorial issues or whatever. But it'd be wonderful if four or five universities in this area would actually go together 
and create uh, an entity that does deal with social issues that would be populated by students from all those universities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see in other, I was working with a school in Denver, and uh, they have undergraduates, like, you know, developing uh, run-down parts of the city and doing branding, and they're working with architectural firms and, you know, making a difference that way. I don't know why that's so difficult to, to get happening in this area. Uh, I think it's a wonderful problem to look at and solve um, yeah. from an educational standpoint. I'm just not, I'm not quite sure how to go about it, but I know it could, it could be solved. It's not that each university, part of their mission, has classes where students do work to address a social issue, a problem within their own city. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Right there. So, yeah. Or even yeah. if there's like some sort of an internship or, oh, I mean, it's almost like, what is it, like AmeriCorps or, you know, Teach for America or something like that, if there was a program after. Right, right. It's like, you know, the Dallas Community Design Initiative. And I don't you know, maybe that's something that, that is really, you know, kind of tailor-made for AIGA to look yeah. at and try to, you know, because the AIGA, well, you know, it's great. I mean, we had students from all the schools that we're talking about attending these meetings and educators. It seems to be the one place where everybody kind of comes together and gets along and has great conversation and everything. So maybe that's, maybe that's an outlet to start our area to start talking about it. Yeah. Well, there is an Innovate grant. I'll probably call you after this and see if we can write a proposal. <laughs> because cool. I think it'd be really interesting. I mean, if, even if it's I mean, you've got these residencies, Google and AIGA and Adobe, they've got these residencies for designers to come and just be creative and solve problems mm-hmm. on a, on a, almost like on a thesis standpoint for like a year, and they get paid for it. It'd be interesting to do some kind of, a, of, of something like that, and there's a grant, so. Yeah, are these, are these un, uh, undergraduate students or residence students or, or what? It's anybody. It's, I, I don't even think it's associated with it. It's just a residency. It's almost like... It's almost it's like you know, be, I don't know if you if you're familiar with BC Workshop, but it's a nonprofit architecture mm-hmm. collaborative, and they they build these homes and residences and and redo neighborhoods and try to activate conversations around neighborhoods rather than trying to fix something as a whole, so that they can right. get feedback and you know data from the neighborhood, and then if it works, then they apply it to another neighborhood and then another neighborhood. We've got these things going on in all these different disciplines and different fields that you know. You know, if we kind of hone it into a field like design where you have all this creativity and not only creativity but this whole attention to the users. I don't think any other field really pays attention to the end user as much right. as design and packaging and, you know, user experience and all that stuff. Like all these words, it's not about turning a dime. It's about affecting how something affects people. And I think if sure. we had a program like that for design, I think it'd be, there's a lot of opportunity there. You know, you and Casey a and M, and you know you've got in the same in the same block. You know you've got Michael and and mm-hmm. everybody from UNT in the center of downtown, in the center right. of, of this atmosphere right yeah. now in Dallas of, of problem solving. Because it's even you know you see this kind of rise and fire and and Dallas in the Dallas community in general about fixing highways and stuff like that. I think it's I'm sure you see it too. But there's a huge yeah. Well, you know you know just in the the small amount of research I've seen, actually the, the graduate students millennials are they want to change.
change the world, and the rate at which they volunteer and want to make a difference is so high. You know, not like I said, not in voting, but in everything else. And so, you know, it's, it's maybe a good time to be looking at something like that. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that are just coming into the field that have a, a lot of great interest in it. You know, from an educational standpoint, so I just figure out how it fits into the curriculum. But I think if you, you know, if AIGA was spearheading something like that, and since you you know all these folks that are in education here, I think if you just get them involved, just, you know, even if it's just as, you know, an advisory group or something, to get them involved in it, you know, uh, maybe those pieces can come together. Yeah. That'd be really cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I see that in different parts of the country uh, at, at a lot of universities, but I don't see, I don't see it here. I don't know why. Yeah. It's a great opportunity for the community and the city as a whole. Now, um, getting back to you and your personality, I mean, I think we're a lot, there's a lot of uh, evidence of just kind of caring a lot and kind of just even passion for this area. Is there anything about your personality that you think led you to being a creative and then specifically liking or, you know, caring about this area so much? There's something about you that you think makes you a, a great creative or and a great teacher and also somebody who cares about the community or specifically kind of this area um, personality trait that you might think that you might you you might also see in some of the other people in the city you know uh it's telling i when i got out of grad school i was looking at going to different parts of the country to teach and i thought well this is you know this is a great opportunity for us to just do something totally different because i i've grown up in this area, you know, I'm right. In the, I grew up right in the middle of Dallas and Fort Worth and Harlan. So I thought, well, I'm gonna do, you know, so I went and interviewed Chicago, Wisconsin, all of this, and uh, it was just really weird. I have to say, uh, I got out there and I, I tried to embrace it and everything. But I looked at the resources that were available. Now, you know, up in, uh, this place in Wisconsin, of course, Minneapolis was close by, you know, but and that's a great area for design. But I have to say, I really thought, you know what? Uh, I just love it in Dallas because I think of people like Don Clampett and suppliers and people here that just are so passionate. And you just, you know, you really don't have that. I mean, you have to get outside of this to see how special it is here. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I really thought about leaving, I decided, you know what? I, I mean, I was given this great opportunity to start a graduate program, which is a rare thing, but also I just felt like, you know, I can do the most good in an area where I'm already connected and passionate about it. And, uh, you know, there's that saying, you know, nobody really leaves Texas, you know. I mean, some people leave and then they wind up moving back. Uh, I don't know know what it is about the area. I think it's just, you know, uh, the people, the passion. I think for me, it's like, I mean, I love, I mean, if you go to Chicago and go to AIGA event, I mean, my gosh, it's ginormous, you know, and I love that area as well, but I don't know, I think there's just a richness here. Uh, there's a richness and there's, uh, you know, still the, um, I don't know, it's, it's the, you know, like we talked about earlier, this kind of smart design thinking that's always been here. And it's really a well-rounded, sharp individuals that are designers here. Like you said, they're not—they're not just makers. 
they're they're stinkers. And uh, I think that's what keeps me here. Uh, that's kind of what has always kept me here from early on when I was exposed to this. You know, because I mean, I learned all about design through through concept. I mean, concept was more. I mean, it was just you know part of it. I mean, you don't you just didn't you never did anything that you didn't have a reason for. And um, you know, and I love teaching that. I mean, I love teaching that because I think design has this incredible amount of power. Uh, you know, I was talking to Doug May the other day, and he was talking about a, a commercial that he saw from the 70s, and, you know, he was, like, tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was the one, you know, the Indian was crying, the Native American. I don't know which one it was. But anyway, that's what I love about design is just the, the beauty and the emotion that it can bring and the change that it can bring and the understanding it can bring and uh, I don't know I, I you know I, it's funny I think if I was going to leave this area the only place I would go would be Martha which is still in Texas obviously but I just love it I mean I don't I guess being from here and just experiencing other parts of the country I just feel a, a kinship to it um, not necessarily because I'm just from here but I really like I said I believe that there's there's a understanding of design that lives here that is incredibly strong, smart, conceptual, and it continues to be that way. So that's where I am. Awesome. What would someone that has worked with you describe as your your biggest strength? My biggest strength? Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, I think, you know, from a, not that I do, well, I don't know. I think I do this in poster work. You know, I always, logos were, uh, I've done a lot of logos in my career, and I just see things that way. There's a, and I think it's by having idols, you know, like, you know, like Saul Bass and, and even Rex and people that just have this knack for simplification, and that's the way I see things. So logos always came real natural to me, and I still kind of look at that simplification process when I do poster work. And, but I have to say that I've what I what I hear from people in my teaching realm is that I'm good about pushing an idea out there in terms of thesis ideas, things like that. Just kind of brainstorming. You know, I love to do that. I think what people you know, I, I've heard it's really funny because I've heard from different people that say, Man, he's a tough ass, isn't he? You know, as a teacher. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm like, I think I push people. Uh, I love to push people out of their comfort zone, so maybe that's where that came from. But um, I don't know. I just like to push on things as hard as I can, as long as I can, and try to push it into uh, an area that has a real point of difference and possibility. So. so- I mean, speaking of that, creatives are, are often described as being risk takers, and you're good at pushing people out of their comfort zone. What is what has been the biggest risk that you've ever taken? Gosh, I think it would absolutely have to be when I went out on my own in '83, and you know, Bill Ford and I, uh, you know, he had uh, a couple of clients. And I had a couple of clients that we were to work for, and uh, you know we were working for someone, and then we started kind of freelancing, and it was that, you know that natural progression that people had. And I think it was uh, absolutely just saying, you know what, we can do this, and you know signing a. I don't know, I think it was at that time a three-year lease down at the White Swan Building, which at that time wasn't cheap, and you know doing the finish out and having this incredible space. You know, I mean, that was scary, I have to say, because, you know, it was, a, <clears throat> it was all on us personally. And so, you know, we both borrowed some money and, and just said, you know what, we can do this. And, 
That was absolutely the biggest risk, I think, but uh, I never looked back. And I think uh, I'm just one of those people that, you know, I've worked with some great people, worked with incredible people, but I've always had this, this need to kind of just do my own thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say a, being a, a boss, but just have the ability to kind of control my own destiny, you know, work mm-hmm. out and, and find clients and uh, just be able to do that on my own. So that was the biggest risk. But, you know, I mean, I'm still doing that, really. I've never really gone back to any other models. So, but I just remember that that time it was, you know, scary and exciting. But uh, we just felt like we could do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And after I started doing it, yeah, there's always been rough spots. When I think at one point we had... 15 employees, and that's scary sometimes. You just worry about, you know, what's next. But I think, I don't know, we always just believe that that we could do it. So, yeah, that was probably the riskiest. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, do you think that it's a lot of, a lot of y'all started around the same time? And uh-huh. what you just said right now, we all just believe that we could do it. Do you think that that's, that's also part of, you know, a similar trait that you see in, in this area, in the city, that people just, it's just kind of, you know, we're just going to try it. We're going to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah. think that, um, I've heard, uh, you know, Texas, uh, the culture of Texas described as that. Mm-hmm. You know, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of fear. I mean, it's, you can almost, you know, I mean, a good example of that is uh, oil men. <laughs> I think that's what, for years, that's what people would think about Texans, guys that go out and risk it all in a well. Well, we're, you know, I think we do that same thing. You know, we risk it on the fact that, you know, we're problem solvers and, uh, you know, it's all going to work out in the end. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely see that. I mean, I, you know, going to the last, uh, I guess it was the DSCC show, you know, I'm just always blown away by all the work and how, you know, Dallas keeps reinventing it. So, I mean, there's always this freshness, uh, that lives here. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of small studios again. I think that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, it is that little attitude that kind of permeates the design community of, you know, uh, I'm not, I don't think it's a, it's not a thing where they're saying, hey, we're really good. It's just that, uh, when you're around so much rich work and you get caught up in it, you know, you just, you're better yourself all the time, constantly, because you're just, you know, living in that culture of great work. Mm-hmm. Interpret this as you will. What, what does tomorrow look like? What does tomorrow look like in terms of just of designing Dallas, you think, or me, or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However you want to interpret it. Well, tomorrow looks uh, like another rainy day. <laughs> yeah. Or, tomorrow, uh, yeah. Gosh, you know, um, I don't know. You know, it's like uh, I constantly, I always think about, you know, how everybody has that kind of, you know, the fear of the blank page kind of thing. That's what we love. You know, I heard that this great quote, and I can't remember who said it, but, you know, a designer is somebody that likes to jump off a diving board into an empty swimming pool and create water on the way down. I love that quote because it kind of feels like what we do, this addiction we have to solving problems, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so tomorrow's, you know, I mean, I'm I'm excited about this new project. You know, I'm excited about, I'm really excited about all these these pieces. I'm teaching this thesis class right now, and they're all coming up with their ideas, and that's pretty incredible. You know, as far as Dallas, I just think it's still as rich as it ever was. 
I think maybe it's just rich in a different way, you know. So, I mean, I, I feel incredibly jazzed about that. And also, you know, you mentioned the, I never really thought about that. You mentioned the seasoned folks that are teaching at all these universities now. And I mean, I'm, I'm turning them out, you know, and I'm seeing them get great jobs at ETA or wherever they are. And, and that's pretty cool because, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm somehow, I have something to do with, with making these or helping to create these people see their potential as an educator and, and go out and do it. So I think the future here, I mean, just based on that thought, how, I mean, what I think is great designers out there and design thinkers teaching at these universities, I think that this area may be in line for, you know, another early 80s. <laughs> I think it may just, like, just go crazy, you know? So, I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, and thanks for that thought of, you know, putting that in my head. But, I mean, that's, that's a real possibility. Um, <laughs> so we're we're hitting the home stretch. Before we get into that, um, I think the the comment that you made before about Rex and and these guys being really really strong in regards to being able to talk about design. Mm-hmm. I think you're if you haven't realized it yet that you are a, a great speaker when it comes to design and just in this interview alone. I think that oh thank you gleaned a ton of insight and um, I really. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. So, sure. this first question, um, nobody really responds to it well, so I, I can keep it on there. <laughs> I feel better already. What is the last item on your bucket list? The last item? Yeah. Um, so, it's the one that's at the end. <laughs> when you, I guess when you see... When you see, uh, when you're starting to see your whole life, <laughs> like, what's that thing you want to do? Yeah, the last item. Let me think. The last item is probably the last. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm gonna have to say the last item is probably that I'm gonna uh, somehow uh, be more organized because I realize it will it will never happen. It will just never happen. And it's funny because I'm kind of a control freak, and uh, I think that I'm organized in my mind, but I'm not. You know, I mean, you know, if you if you start opening drawers, you'll see <laughs> you'll see that. And I always think, you know, maybe someday I can get organized. I can, you know, but you know, I think I have too much fun being unorganized. So, right. um, that's, that's just the way it is. It's, maybe it's more acceptance. Because uh, yeah. as, as I get older, I'm like, well, you know, if I would have really wanted to get organized, I could have done that by now. You know, so. <laughs> So the minute that Kim walks into the studio, she's like, oh, no, everything's in the right place. <laughs> what did you not It could be a disaster. It could be a disaster, you know. Okay. Uh, favorite font? Favorite font? Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, Frutiger. Favorite word? Favorite word. Well, God, it has to be one word. <laughs> it can be a couple. Point of difference. Favorite color? Black. Favorite quote? Favorite quote. Uh, a quote by Willie Keeler, a baseball player from the 20s or 30s, and his quote was, hit them where they ain't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, Doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love it. Elvis or the Beatles? Oh, Elvis or the Beatles. Elvis. Describe yourself in five words. Really wants to do good. Describe yourself in one word. Try myself in one word. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and that's actually it. Is there anything else you want to add at this point? Um, yeah, I feel like I, I get off on these tangents. I apologize for that. I just keep talking. Yeah. This is what happens when you start teaching, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. It's like, come on, Professor. Shut up. But yeah, uh, no, I think I think I said everything. I think it's great that you're doing this. Heck off to you. I think it's wonderful. The interview you just heard is bookended by the track Blue Jay from the album Feathers by Blue Dot Sessions, which I borrowed from freemusicarchive.org and used under the Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial license. Thanks for listening to The Dallas Type. I'm Frances Soliana. And as Ann Richards, one of the best governors of Texas in my lifetime, once said, I have very strong feelings about how you lead your life. You always look ahead. You never look back.